Judges chapter 6. Today we're looking at Gideon, one of my favorite judges. Enjoy the story. Of course, we went over the last two weeks, we kind of had some some not great post-lunch sermons with Ehud and uh, JL and all that kind of stuff. But this one will be a little cleaner uh, for our post-lunch service today. Judges chapter 6. And uh, let's look, we'll read uh, just at the beginning of chapter uh, 6. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them in the hand of Midian seven years. So we see again, just as we've seen the last two weeks, and we'll continue to see as we're studying through the book of Judges, is we see this, this deliverance, and boy, isn't just God just is so good. He delivers the people, restores them back into their relationship with Him, and everything is going well for a number of years, and then... Here we go again. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. It fits perfectly with what we talked about this morning, obeying with our whole heart. It's that complete repentance, the getting away from the sin and getting to what God wants. And the children of Israel, if they did that, they didn't pass it on to their children. They didn't do enough to teach and train their children and prepare them for what was next. And so the people would fall back into, and it goes back to, the again, the very beginning of not obeying and getting rid of everybody out of the promised land. And when we don't obey, there's always consequences. And oftentimes, when we don't obey, the consequences are going to reach other people besides us, whether it be our spouses, whether it be our children, or whatever from there. It's just so crucial that we just do right and obey what God tells us to do. Let's pray, and then we'll look at, at Gideon. Lord, thank you for the illustrations that you give us from the past. Thank you for the opportunity to look in your word and see the mistakes of others that we can learn from so that we don't have to make the same mistakes. And God, today I do pray that as we look at Gideon and the wonderful story here of him, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn from it, even though we may have heard this before. I pray that we would learn something fresh today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so why did they need deliverance? That's the question we ask at the beginning of each each week, and then we come to the same answer. Because they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They fell back into sin. And look at what the Midianites did here. We read verse 1, look in verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them uh, the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and with their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude, uh, for both they and their uh, camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. So the Midianites came in and they destroyed all the food. The, the Israelites had sown, they have planted, and the Midianites came through and they destroyed all the crops. They destroyed all the animals. There's no vegetation. There's no meat. There's nothing there uh, left. This is the worst condition the children of Israel had been in since they came into the promised land. They hadn't seen this kind of desolation here in this land which flowed with the milk and honey. And so the Midianites came in and did much damage. And uh, the Lord, He voices His anger after they cry to Him. Look in verse 6. It says, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And we've seen this each week where they come into the, the discipline under God's discipline and they finally realize, hey, this isn't fun. And so then they call unto the Lord and the Lord sends a, a deliverer, a judge. 
And look in verse 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet uh, unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, uh, but ye have not obeyed my voice. I enjoy this verse. It reminds me much of conversations I have with my kids. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. And how do you repay me? Um, and that's what we see what God's doing here. They say, Lord, we're, we're, we're under great stress now. We're impoverished. Lord, help us. And God sent a prophet to tell, give them this message. I delivered you out of Egypt. You were oppressed in Egypt. You had it bad in Egypt. I delivered you. I gave you the enemy's land for you to have. And you won't obey me. How frustrating that must be. I know that I get frustrated when I feel like I've done a lot and I don't get anything back for it. So then we see God gives them the, uh, the next judge. He's the sixth judge that God sent in Gideon. And Gideon's name means warrior. Uh, and we see in verse 11 it says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in uh, Ophrah, and uh, that pertained unto Joash, the Abiezerite, the Abiezerite, something like to that effect. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it, from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Uh, we see that Gideon, he was a provider in his, in his early life here. He's a provider. He's working and uh, preparing and, and, and providing. But Gideon was also a little bit of a doubter. Uh, look in verse 13. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Well, that's a fair question to some degree. And it's a, it's a question that many of us would ask. Well, wait a second. If God's with me, then why is all this bad stuff happening? All right, let's keep reading. It says, And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? That's a positive saying for this reason. That means Gideon had heard. Gideon had heard. God, people had told Gideon, his father and the other leaders had, had told him, this is what God has done for us. Here's the miracles that were seen. Because sometimes I always get the impression that, boy, it's all the, all the dad's faults. They didn't teach their children. And here we see that Gideon had heard. He had been taught. So it wasn't that they were ignorant of what God had done. They were just disobedient. Uh, we goes on, look at verse 14. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this uh, uh, thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. We'll see it over and over again throughout the Scriptures. God uses the humble, not the prideful. You'll see times where God uses someone who has pride for his purpose. We'll get to Samson eventually. Samson was not a humble person by any stretch of the imagination. The difference between Samson and Gideon, one of the big ones, and we'll talk about this when we get to Samson, Samson died blind. He had a miserable ending to his life. God used him in his death, but I'd more rather be used like Gideon than like Samson. We see the humbleness here of Gideon. He says basically what Moses used to say, Who am I? And he said, My family's poor. That doesn't mean anything to God. God's not poor. He can take care of that. Verse uh, 16 
Uh, and the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And we see some doubt uh, in, in uh, Gideon's life. Uh, he says there in verse 19, And Gideon went in and made uh, ready a kid and unleavened cakes and an ephah of flour of the flesh. He put in a basket and he put it broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God uh, said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. He did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh with the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now listen, this is great because Gideon has some doubts. And oftentimes don't we do the same thing? It's not that we don't, uh, we've learned and we've been taught and we've been told and we've read God can do anything. And then we go, but God, if you can do anything, then why haven't you done anything? And he says earlier in the passage, uh, where are all the miracles that, my, that, that our fathers talked about? So what did God do? He gave him a miracle. He showed him, oh, here you go. You want a miracle? Here it is. Is it always right to do that? I'm not saying that it is. But I think we have to remember who God is. God, doesn't, God says, trust me, have faith in me. But God consistently proves himself to us over and over and over again. And sometimes it's not that God hasn't been doing stuff, it's that we just haven't been looking. We haven't seen it because we haven't been looking. Our eyes have been closed or looking at our phones or something else. So we see Gideon here was blown away. Uh, we see Gideon here was doubting a little bit. Uh, we also see he was obedient, though. Look in verse 25. The Bible says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, and even the second bullock of the seven-year-old, uh, seven and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock and the ordered place. And take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Again, I look back and I watch God. And God does everything on purpose. And we see the grove. This is the, the, uh, the area where they would worship idols. And, and he says, tear it down. Use the wood from the idols and use it to burn the sacrifice to God. This is a des destruction of the false gods and glory to the real God. And so we see, that I, I just, to me, God is not boring. Um, God is, there's so much great detail behind what God does. Verse 26, uh, or verse 27, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Um, okay, good. Let's keep. Uh, and they said unto one another, oh, I'm sorry, verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down and was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who had done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. So God tells them to do something. This is a very dangerous thing. We know that because it tells us. Gideon said, I'm not going to, I can't do it in the daytime because this is dangerous. It goes by night. They say, who did it? Gideon did it. The Midianites are not very happy about this, as you can imagine. Verse 30 uh, through verse 33, talk about the anger that they have. Uh, look in verse 32. Therefore, on that day, he called him uh, Jerubbaal, uh, saying, let Baal plead against him because he hath thrown down his altar. 
Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched the valley of Jezreel. They're not happy, and now they're going to do something about it, so they think. So Gideon now is getting ready for, for battle. That brings us to chapter 7. Gideon is ready for the war. Um, well, we need to remember too, look at verse 34. God came to help. He says, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and blew a trumpet, and Abiazar was gathered after him. And so God was, was around. God didn't leave Gideon. God, God didn't, uh, uh, he was there. He was ready. He was going to help all along the way. Gideon still doubts a little bit in verses 36 through, verse thir- uh, through the end of the chapter. But finally, we get to this point in chapter 7 now where Gideon has has gotten appears to have gotten over his his doubts in God and what God was going to do for him, that God was actually going to do this for him. And so look in verse number three of chapter seven. Uh, we see this, this is I just love this story. Verse number three says, Now therefore go uh, to proclaimed in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. All right. Gideon says, all right, Lord, here's the army. We're going to go fight. You said you're going to deliver them. And God says, you got too many people. Tell those that are afraid, that don't want to fight, tell them they can go home. All right, Gideon goes, oh, this is fun. All right. Well, yeah, at least we got some strong, mighty men. All right, guys, if you're too afraid, if you're too worried, if you want to leave, now you can leave. And all of a sudden, it appears everybody gets up and leaves. I'm sure Gideon's going, you've got to be kidding me. What in the world? These bunch of uh, doubting Thomases. I don't know if he used that phrase back then, but uh, you bunch of doubters. What's wrong with you people not trusting God? Of course, Gideon was there just a few, few verses ago. 22,000 leave. He's got 10,000 left. All right. Gideon says, all right, Lord, we're good. God says, nope, you've still got too many people. 9,700 more people leave. He's got 300 people left. Now listen, we know this, right? God doesn't need 300 men. Earlier, with when he was came to um, to Gideon, he said in verse uh, sixteen of chapter six, at the very end of the verse, he says, um, uh, "Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man." And so we see here now they have come down and to this point now where we've got three hundred men. God only, only, well, God doesn't need anything. God wanted, and again, everything that we look through in in in. Uh, the exodus of the people out of, out of Egypt, the, the journey through the wilderness, the taking of the promised land, it was all meant to glorify God. And when you have a large army go against a large army, men still get the credit. You got 300 men go against an army that was as the grasshoppers, as the sand in the sea. Only God can get the credit for that. Yeah, uh, God let Gideon... Uh, he gave him some encouragement through letting him hear a dream that someone had. Look in verse 10 of chapter 7. Uh, and it, well, let's look at verse 9. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. Uh, but if thou fear, go down, go thou with Phura, uh, thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shalt thou hands be strengthened to go down and, and unto the host. Then went down for a servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianite and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number, as sand by the seaside for multitude. 
And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the hosts. The, the army, the, the enemy, knew they were going to lose. Gideon was still having his questions. Can we win? God says, if you're afraid, go down there and listen to what they have to say. So he did. He went down there and God allowed these men to share a dream that, that the one had. And it encouraged Gideon to understand a little bit, finally, what was going on. So, so we know the story. Gideon leads the men. And he has got some odd weapons. They have a trumpet. They have an empty pitcher. And they have lamps in the pitchers. And uh, again, I'm not a soldier by any stretch of the imagination, but I understand that, that it's, you don't take a knife to a gunfight. Um, you know, you, you, want the, you want the weapon that hurts the most, that's, that uh, can, can, has the best range on it. Uh, you know, you, you want the best weapons. And Gideon here and his men came with a trumpet in one hand and then a lamp and a pitcher in the other hand. And then he splits them into three units and sends them out uh, there. And we see the result. Look in verse 22. Uh, after all this that had happened, verse 22 says, In the 300, uh, they blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshita and Zerath, and to the border uh, of Abel-Meholah, unto Tabath. And so what happens is, they don't, they don't even have a sword that we know of with them. Gideon's men don't. <clears throat> so they do what they were told to do, blow the trumpets, they break the, the pitchers, and the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Midianites and the Amalekites, they turn on each other. <laughs> it appears to be mass chaos, and they're just, they're just stabbing people. They don't, they're just, from what I understand of the story, from what I read, it's just mass chaos. And it's almost as though they are just so frightened by what they've heard that they don't know who's next to them, and they just start, just start swinging. And whatever they hit, they hit their own people, and they basically demolish themselves because of what God did. And going into chapter 8, we see that uh, the people then ask Gideon to rule over them. Isn't it amazing? This consistency of the children of Israel. <laughs> um, I understand the confidence they have in Gideon now, but, but why don't they see that instead of having the, the need for someone over them, they should just follow God and do what God said. But they, they ask Gideon. They be, I believe part of it is because they believe Gideon is a man of God. God is with him. They were like that with Moses. Well, God's with Moses eventually. God's with Moses. So Moses, do this for us. And I know it was different back then before the crucifixion. But even today's time, I have people all the time, well, you're a pastor. Can you pray? Well, yeah, but you can pray too. Anyways, they ask, they ask Gideon to rule over them. God will rule. Look in chapter 8, verse 23. It says, And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Gideon didn't let any of this go to his head. He understood what was happening, that God was in control of the situation. And he said, I will not rule over you. God will rule over you. And uh, look down in verse 28. I know we're skipping a lot of this today, but uh, verse 28 says, Thus uh, was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads uh, no more. And the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. Quietness is one of my favorite words in the Bible. 
I get it. You get it. The world is not quiet. Oftentimes the home is not quiet. When we have that quietness, that peace, that rest, sometimes it's all we long for is quietness. I've been told that once you get the quietness, you long for the noise. But, uh, but right now we get to this point where we just go, I just, I just need it to be quiet for a minute. There are times I ask my kids, can you just go in your room, play with some toys, read a book, do something, close the door, and just be quiet for a little bit. Just let me enjoy some quietness. My phone rings a lot for a number of different reasons. I'm in sales, so I get sales calls. Um, I, months ago, I got online to inquire about some health insurance, so I'm still getting phone calls from health insurance companies. Um, all kinds of different things. My phone just rings a lot. Most of the time, I don't even want to answer it because it's nothing that's going to help me, benefit me, profit me, whatever. I just, there are days where I just I turn off my ringer by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And my wife goes, why didn't you answer? I didn't hear the phone ring. Why not? Because my ringer was off because I got tired of it ringing. Uh, nonetheless, quietness. Forty years. They have quietness. Verse 32 says, And Gideon, was the, uh, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash's father and Ophrah. Uh, of the Ibaezrites, something to that effect. The, uh, I think it's Ibaezrites. And so Gideon is gone, and we'll see again very soon that the children of Israel didn't learn their lesson. After 40 years of rest, they decided it's too quiet, so we need some of that noise back. We'll look at that uh, in the coming weeks ahead. But Gideon, and there's so much more. You could spend weeks on Gideon, and maybe one day we will. But, but learn from Gideon. <clears throat> Understand that God says to us, we're in different circumstances than Gideon. But God says here, this is, I want you to do this, and I'll be with you when you do it. God says, here's the Great Commission. I want you to do this. I'll be with you as you go. Uh, I have the power, and I'll be with you. That's what he says in the Great Commission. And, and so with that, he says, uh, go. And then we go, well, but you don't understand. I'm not very gifted in speaking. I'm not very good with strangers. I don't have that kind of personality. I, I'm afraid I don't have the answers, whatever it may be. And so we we'd refuse to do it. And God says, I told you I'll be with you. What more do you need? Go, do it. Obey God. Gideon finally did. Gideon got to see God do something spectacular. None of us will ever, I don't believe, will ever have the chance to say, I saw a small army defeat an incredibly huge army that we couldn't even count. I saw God do that with a pitcher and a trumpet. But there are things in your life that you can watch God accomplish that are of the same capacity. And so just obey God. When God says do something, just do it. And trust Him to, to give you what you need with all your heart. Trust Him to do everything for you, to help you through it, to give you what you need, and so you can see what happens. If you're, if you're failing to have any quietness in your life, if your heart is always active, your, your mind is always going, and you don't have any quietness, you want to find rest, it comes back to obedience and dependence on God. And if we'll do that, God says, I'll deliver you from that anxiety. I'll deliver you from that, that chaos. I can give you rest in a chaotic world. Just obey and just depend and let me do it for you. That's what we did with Gideon. And I think that's a good lesson for us to learn today. Lord, I pray for your help throughout this week. I pray that you'd help us with the different things on our schedules. I pray that uh, you'll use us to get the gospel out this week. I pray that you uh, help us to be faithful with our coworkers with our neighbors, with our family members as we're able. Lord, give us opportunity. Help us to be bold to take those opportunities. Lord, help us this week with our doubts. Help us to have confidence in you, complete dependence and trust in you. 
And Lord, may you, may you show us this week. I, there's no doubt that you're good. But God, would you help us as we seek you? Would you show us just how good you are? Lord, would you help us, give us the strength we need to do what we ought to do for you this week, I pray. Again, I ask for your help with the Smiths and the different needs they have, uh, physical uh, health needs there. Uh, I do pray for Eddie and Tabitha as they are now uh, looking at adding a second foster child. So we pray for that process uh, and the provisions that are needed there as well. For Miss Diana, she's been sick um, also. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you bring us all back together. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're back Wednesday night at 7. If you're able to make it, hope that you'll be here. And then other than that, we'll see you again next Sunday.